Welcome into another edition of Hoopsville, the week of Thanksgiving. Thanks for taking the time. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, coming to you from the NABC studios. In part, thanks to our friends and partners everywhere, including D3Hoops.com. If you got questions for us whenever we're not on the air, especially, you can always email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. That's Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can also find my personal email address on our website, D3Hoops.com. You can also tweet us at D3Hoopsville. Use the hashtag Hoopsville. Find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're even on Instagram at D3Hoopsville. Though we haven't been able to use it as much this year due to some random circumstances. We'll try and start using it a little bit more often. Hard to share links through Instagram, so it ends up kind of falling to the side for me. But we'll do our best to use it a bit more often. Uh, We are into the Thanksgiving stretch here. And quick note for anybody looking for a new top 25, it will come out the Monday after Thanksgiving. Um, Just with the earlier start to the season, games are spread out a little bit more. Want to kind of settle in and see how teams have been played or how teams have played um, for as many games as possible to try and be as even as possible. You know, the NESCAC starts late. And some teams like Mary Harden Baylor, who we mentioned, last show have a huge gap after playing three games Uh, i know the wbca came out with their first in-season poll but nonetheless uh there's also i think something about making sure we have the same number of polls and with a earlier start to the season that number would change but uh, that's maybe just semantics in the grand scheme of things but the new poll will come out Uh, in the meantime i finally got out my preseason ballot in stages and i really apologize for my tardiness on that I had written it literally days after I I put in my ballot with the intent of putting it out, but then got distracted with a very busy crossover season. And the next thing you know, I hadn't done it. So then I got the first one out and then I'm like, I'll get the second one out tomorrow. And I was literally driving to an event going, well, I didn't do that today. I'll get it tomorrow. And then three days passed and the rest is history. So we got it out. Yes, it is dated. And yes, I'm clearly looking inaccurate with some teams. Um, and, and that's the toughness about preseason polls. You're, you're reading the tea leaves, trying to read things. I'll give you an example. It looks like Trinity, Texas is not is without their, their best player from last season. For whatever reason, he's no longer on the, um, on the uh, roster. Uh, he was a transfer from a D2 uh, in Colorado Springs. Why? I have no idea. Injury? Maybe? Something else? Who knows? But he's not back. So that changes your equation of who Trinity, Texas is. That's just one example. Um, Sometimes, as I've mentioned numerous times over the years, transfers come in, things look great, and they aren't gelling, especially right out of the gate. So maybe you misread how that would work. Or there's a team that we just didn't see comes together real nice, and we don't realize the talent that they have because it's hard to read on paper. And they become kind of a team to watch. So, yeah, my top 25 is kind of full of muck to some degree. Wish it was better. It's not. Uh, We'll continue. Uh, We'll get our first chance to start fresh, as it were, coming up on Monday. Uh, As I talked about in those blogs, I really kind of went, not blind, but I tried to use as little reference to the previous season outside of data that I could. I didn't look at my top 25 ballot from the end of last season. I didn't look at the final top 25 from the end of the last season. I kind of knew where a couple teams obviously stood, but I didn't know where everybody stood. And so I tried to go in fresh that way. I'm not sure that was the best idea, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I felt at times like I needed that information to better understand what I was reading into in the data. And there were times I think I misread teams as a result. Um, it's neither here nor there. 
just a preseason poll. It's just, I'm one of 25 opinions. Uh, that's why we have 25 opinions. Everybody has a different one. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do on Monday or going into Monday. I'm not sure if I'm going to try and, and still kind of take it fresh and not look at what I've done in the preseason, which I'm very more likely to do on this poll because I, my preseason ballot's a disaster. Um, I don't know if moving forward I'll do that where I don't reference back to the previous week. Normally what I'll do is I'll literally write out my top 25 on a, on a pad, then go down through every single team and mark how that team did. Win-loss, overall record, notes about who they played, et cetera. And then I'll, I'll reevaluate my top 25 from there. I, I'm, I've been debating about just going fresh and not looking at who I had where. I, I, there's pros and cons to both, and I'm not sure. I might try both and just see where it goes. I think, for the example, this first poll, I may just forget what I did in the preseason altogether, meaning no writing down on the pad where I had everybody slotted and, and just go with the data I have in front of me and see where it leads me. Gun shy a little bit that it may have steered me in the wrong direction during the preseason, but we'll see. Uh, that's the most likely time to do it. There's maybe one or two other times when you're you're trying to start fresh during the regular season to do that, but we'll see. We'll, we'll play it out. Um, I, I haven't made a decision. I have a few days to, to make that decision, obviously, and we'll get to that bridge when we get to it. On the women's side, uh, I'm not a voter there, but certainly keep tabs of things. I want to thank both of our panels on the last show for coming on. I thought it was a really good in depth conversation from everybody about teams out there probably one of the better ones we've done i'm looking forward to moving forward with those we'll do one or two more in december with everybody to get their sense of things and then we'll kind of make it much more of a routine thing in january again it's about having enough data to understand having seen enough teams to understand uh etc etc um quick look i don't have all the updates here because i i am neck deep with a lot of things um, including personal ones. So I, I'm not able to give you a full update on top 25s, but on the women's side, Hope is obviously off to a strong start. Uh, this is coming out on the 22nd of November. Uh, they've got a game tonight against Wisconsin Lutheran. That'll be certainly interesting to watch. Not much we can kind of gauge off of Transylvania. They haven't had any games until this past weekend. Um, how they're doing, what they're doing, what's going on, et cetera, et cetera, is always a, a tough call to try and figure out we talked about that on the last show especially gordon mentioning they could easily end up being the number one team in the country with no real tests they got past concordia texas 66 45 and they got past texas dallas 57 43 down in texas this coming weekend they'll play wilmington and somebody else you know we'll we'll see how this what this all means um and the rest of the top 10 i think is one worth worth uh, looking at, uh, worth watching, worth trying to figure out. Teams are just starting to start to play games, honestly. NYU's off to a 4-0 start. That's pretty good. Uh, Whitewater's off to a 4-0 start with some strong wins, including against Illinois Wesleyan last week. Trinity, Texas, women are off to a, another strong start. No surprise there with a big win over Sol Ross State, 91-56. And I just mean by the spread, got past Howard Payne, 72-59. Um They've got Harden-Simmons coming up in back-to-back -back games, believe it or not, uh, this weekend in an interesting twist. Um, you know, trying to fill your schedule. That's, you know, we'll have to talk to Cameron Hill about those kinds of decisions. Um, Christopher Newport, uh, women spanked my alma mater, 120-23. to uh, Thanks. That happened last week. Uh, we're supposed to play William Peace. That game has been postponed. Um and we can get into some of the, those decisions in some schools that we're seeing around. 
but Bill, but Bill Broderick's team looks pretty good. We talked about Smith last week was Lynn Hersey uh, with a big win over Bowden, 59-54. They got a good game with Trinity, Connecticut coming up. I'm just looking at the top 10. Uh, Trine, a little bit of a break here. They'll take on Ohio Northern coming up soon. Amherst finally out of the gate. Uh, they've got a win over Springfield on the 11th, a win over Rowan on the 13th. In games that were maybe a little closer than you would anticipate, they got a bigger spread win against Gordon on the 16th. A large break. Big game coming up against Emmanuel. And then they'll play New Jersey City. I think those two te- games will be good ones to see how they're doing. I'm looking forward to seeing Gromacki's team back at the D3 Classic. We'll have them taking on Montclair State and Kenyon. Those should be great games in Vegas. Scranton under new head coach Ben O'Brien. Off to a strong start at 5-0. and um, Nothing really stands out in terms of, oh, look who they beat. Though they did beat Wilkes 70-32 to and Kings 80-42. to Bigger spreads than maybe I would have anticipated especially for a first-year program. So not too bad. On the men's side, Randolph-Macon did get its first loss of the season. They lost to Mary uh, Washington 58-52, got back on the horse, as it were, with a, a tight win against Hamden City in a rivalry game, 61-59. We'll have to watch Yellow Jackets. I think they're trying to still learn how to play the game without Buzz Anthony kind of running things on the court, and that's not a surprise. That That's where everyone thought they would struggle. Will they still be the number one team next Monday? I don't know. Um I, I mean, I, I am not even going to guess. There's part of me that says yes, because I expected them to lose this season. Um, and Mary Washington is certainly not a bad team. The question becomes, what do we think of everybody else? Again, Mary Harden Baylor hasn't played since we talked about him last. Oshkosh uh, is, uh, let's see, they're now what? I've lost track here. They they um, they lost to St. Joseph's. Uh, they beat Nebraska Wesleyan. Um, so they're what three and two, I think I'm saying that because I just totally forgot. Uh, my notes are incomplete and I apologize calling up Oshkosh. Yeah. We're, we're taping this stuff somewhat live too. Yeah. Three and two with losses to Calvin and, and St. Joseph's. We'll talk about St. Joseph's in a moment. Uh, Oshkosh. Okay. I don't think they're looking as great as we all thought they would. Uh, Christopher Newport's looking great. Um, they're, they're continuing to roll along though. They had to get to overtime against WNL. Um, before then easily dispatching Susquehanna. They've got their own tournament coming up this weekend on Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, I wouldn't say there's any huge games in that, including Sarah Lawrence on the 26th. They'll play Methodist before that. Um, And then on the other side, if they get a chance to play Eastern, I'll be fascinated to see how that takes shape. Oswego off to a strong start. They've got a really tough game on Tuesday the 22nd against Nazareth. It's From what I'm gathering, and I'm talking to a few coaches in the East, it looks like it's the Nazareth-Rochester-Oswego story right now in the East. Maybe somebody else from the SUNYAC can step into that conversation as well. But uh, that, that Rochester-Nazareth-Oswego, and of course they're all near each other, I think that little trio is one that to keep an eye on in the East. And we'll see how Oswego does here against Nazareth. Um Real quick, now that now that I think about it, um, Nazareth, I believe, and I could be wrong here, but I believe Nazareth, I, I know they played Rochester. I just can't remember if it was a preseason game that we don't have any record of. No, they played regular season. Um, Rochester got the win 75-69 in that one. Um, Rochester, Luke Lecurtsy always has a good team. Um, again, it's that trio in the East. Williams finally off to a, a start. They are 3-0 with some easy wins. Uh, Worcester State, 79-60. Clark Summit, 98-54. SUNY Delhi, 95-68. I think the conversation about scheduling and, and testing yourselves will always come up with this. Uh, I see both sides of it. The NESCAC has to fill a lot of holes, which is why I think they ought to change their conference scheduling. Um, and so they have to fill with whoever will play them to some degree. But I do wish 
we would see some more challenging opponents uh, for teams like Williams, um, especially early on. I know they start a little bit later, but still, uh, they they did start November 15th this year. But if you look at their schedule coming up, they've got St. Lawrence, RPI, um, SUNY Oneonta. I'm just looking at non-conference games. Springfield and Clark, they'll play Wesleyan in a non-conference game too. Anna Maria um, and Vassar. Okay, so there's maybe one or two teams in there that I would that I take note of. Otherwise, it's just a conference play. So, you know, nothing against Kevin App or anybody else out there. I just wish this, the, the schedule was a little bit more competitive. Um, and I think that's going to be a theme for Williams the rest of the season. Mount Union off to continuing to, to play well. Uh, got a win over Juniata, 78-66. Maybe a little tighter than maybe some would expect. They'll play Worcester right before Thanksgiving. And I don't know why you're playing the, the night before Thanksgiving. Maybe there's a tradition there I'm, I don't remember. But that'll be a good game to watch on that Wednesday night. WPI continues to play well, though they're not playing as well as I think I expected them to. Tighter games, but still win. Uh, again, Maine Farmington's not going to tell you much, and then they got a win over Emmanuel, 74-62. Stockton, interesting. They've got a good test against Rowan on Tuesday to start conference play. That's the one I'm going to be watching. Um, their win over Penn State, Harrisburg was tight. Their win over DeSales was overtime. We talked about that. I think head coach even talked about it on Twitter. I kind of retweeted that myself. Apparently not started, not playing with two starters and maybe some other guys uh, banged up. That could be a large portion of the story there. And so the question becomes, do we think they're a top 10 or even a top 25 team now? Doesn't mean they might not be in the future. Um, Johns Hopkins has licked its wounds from its loss to Christopher Newport with wins over Salisbury, York, and Lycoming. The Lycoming game a little bit tighter. The, I got a chance to see them in person against Gettysburg, so I'm looking forward to that. And just quickly outside the top 10, there's Rochester sitting at 11. We'll keep an eye on what they can do as they're off to a 5-0 uh, start. And certainly a team that maybe I should have been put in my top 25 and hadn't. Um, and so on and so forth. So, and, and real quick, I want to mention St. Joseph's because I thought they really have had a strong start to the season. A win over Yeshiva, granted not the Yeshiva from last year, but a win over them, a win over Babson, a win over Oshkosh, and a win over Illinois Wesleyan. It was noted um, that uh, by them that they had defeated three former national champions in a week's time. And I think Bob Quillman was able to discover on Twitter one other occasion that took place, not surprisingly, in the WIAC, but inside that one-week time. And actually, I think it was a five-day stretch when there was basically wins over three previous national champions. Uh, it's a rare thing to do within a week. So hats off. I think Ryan Scott then went out and found that the most wins over a previous national champion was seven in an entire season. And you could have added eighth, I think, if I read his tweet right, if you counted um, who would eventually be a national champion. Um, you have to go right, find Ryan Scott. I know I retweeted it, uh, his tweet about that. Um, so interesting developments on the men's side. And I think it's going to be fun to watch as we break Christmas and we start getting a better, or break Christmas, break Thanksgiving, head into Christmas. We'll start getting a much better sense of what's going on, who to watch, and all of those things. I know that was one of the questions from our friend uh, Chip Sn uh, Snively. Um as uh, one of his questions was, you know, big upcoming holiday tournaments and matchups. Yeah, we've already had some really good matchups in November. We're going to get some really good ones coming up in December. Uh, looking forward to seeing how those play out. I'm not going to go and give you a full list of them because we'd be here for a while. But conference play obviously starts up for a lot of teams, and that is kind of a key to, to watch a lot of that stuff and so on and so forth. So, yeah, a lot coming up. And looking forward to seeing how that works out. Um Chip has a few other questions to ask. We'll get to that at the end of the show. 
uh, as well. But if you ever have questions for us, remember you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can always email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com as well. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where you can send us questions um, as well. So lots of ways you can get a hold of us and looking forward to that. By the way, things have quieted down on the coaching front after three men's coaches on the uh, um, in Division Three all resigned in, in a matter of days. Uh, I have heard back from one of them, though that conversation is going to remain uh, between us for now. Um, to be honest with you, I, I'm, I'll have to read it a few more times because I don't think I quite understood everything behind it. I felt a little cryptic, even if it was off the record. Uh, no disrespect to the coach. I think he may chuckle if he heard that uh, as well. But uh, I'm not sure. I think there's other pieces in in play. I'm not really sure what else is going on, but we'll certainly keep an eye on that. By the way, Brandeis games are on hold right now. There was a shuttle bus accident regarding uh, involving uh, Brandeis that uh, killed at least one student, if I have that correct, uh, and injured a bunch of others. So they have put games on hold in the meantime to handle all of that unfortunateness, uh, to say the least. By the way, we should mention guests we're going to have coming up on today's show. Look, a little bit of a twist. Tonight, there's going to be a game featuring two Division Three teams. And I say tonight, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, uh, two Division Three teams that are being coached by twins. Now, last year, there was uh, another story about a Division Three team at Brennanthon who had, was coaching against his twin, but his twin wasn't an NCAA team. Um, but the Van Zelsts join me, Adam and Ryan, to talk about uh, a lot of things. We talked a lot about a lot of cool things. We talked about their playing days. We talked about their coaching uh, road. And we ultimately talked about this upcoming game and just being twins and having some fun with it. Went a little longer than I expected, but some great stuff from the guys. So we uh, that's coming up here in a moment, uh, the Van Zelfts twins. And then we talked to Terry Phillips. She's a captain of the Washington and Lee women's basketball team and a Rhodes Scholar. She is uh, one, from I could tell, just two Division Three student-athletes who are Rhodes Scholars this season, the other one up at MIT. She's the only basketball player. So we talked to her, and wait till you hear everything she's involved in. It, it's, it's absolutely mind-blowing. So we talked to her coming up later in the program. That transitions us into our first interview of this show. Going to talk to two coaches at the same time. Well, because they're twins. Adam and Ryan Van Zelst have been part of basketball most of their lives. I guess being twins, they've been doing that more of their lives, but you get my point. There was a twin story last year that made some news in Division Three. Bryn Mawr's head coach is a twin, but his brother non-NCAA. So it was a unique thing, certainly, but not one that we kind of dove in on. This one is all D3, as you have Adam, the head coach of Arcadia, taking on Ryan, the head coach of Penn State Abingdon, on Tuesday night, the night we're putting this show out, ahead of Thanksgiving. We talked, we sat down and, and talked to the two about that, about being twins, about playing the game together, uh, about coaching against one another, and so much more. It was a great conversation. They were so willing of their time. And here's what they had to say ahead of their game on Tuesday. So now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it's the twins. It's Ryan and Adam. Uh, and I think their names are probably visible on the screen. We'll find out in editing. But if you're trying to guess, good luck, because admittedly, they, except for the one little logo, they look pretty similar. Uh, Ryan and Adam, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Uh, Ryan, we'll start with you. 
first year head coach uh for you're 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 jumping in with with both feet because you're diving right into a game against your brother i am actually genuinely curious did you schedule the game or was this already scheduled yeah great question so um it was already scheduled and i'll be honest you know getting the job late oh well, now we're starting over. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, just uh, you know, hey, it's a new office for me too. I'm still adjusting here. Uh, um, how about you just so start getting, from the beginning of the question, and then I'll find a way to edit in. Okay, I appreciate. That. Yeah, so if I don't move in this office, it just goes by. It's just yeah, I hear that. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I did not schedule the game. I got the job in late spring, early summer. So you know, as a new head coach, I was a little worried about scheduling. So I saw it and in my head, I'm like, oh, no, because I knew Arcadia and Abington had played in the past. But uh, I was worried I wouldn't find anyone that would fit in the appropriate time when we're playing. And I don't want to squeeze another back to back in an already tough league schedule. So um, decided to stick with it. We obviously we played against each other, coach against each other at different schools, uh, being assistants, me being assistant, his, him as head coach. But, um, you know, we figured let's just keep it for one year. We'll just go with it and, and make the best of it. <laughs> Adam, you, did you uh, actually, Brian, real quick, I'm surprised in the, uh, the acceptance of the job. You didn't say, you know what? No, you got that game on the schedule. I'm not taking the job. Forget it. <laughs> uh, Adam, obviously it's just for you, it's scheduling. You know, you've been there a few years. It's just about scheduling. I am curious when Ryan got the job there, were you quietly in the back of your mind going, you, you do know what you got coming, right? I mean, I tried moving the game. I tried getting rid of the game. I actually found him one or two opponents that he could have played instead of us. <laughs> And he declined. So here we are. You know, I tried telling him it's it's your job. You know, losing is not fun. We all hate it. We, you know, we're competitive guys. We've always been competitive against each other. Okay. So, you know, here we are. You know, we, we play tomorrow. So we'll see how this thing goes. That it's brilliant that you literally tried to find him an out uh to get away from playing against each other. That's great. Uh yeah, Ryan, you mentioned you guys coached against one another's assistants. And obviously it's very different in that case. I don't think anybody was ejected from those games where you had to take over necessarily, especially against one another. But let's back it up a little bit because you guys obviously played with one another, you're twins, and we should point out you're identical, right? Uh, we're actually fraternal. Oh, surprising, you're fraternal. Surprising to a lot, but we are fraternal. Yeah. Well that's even more interesting because I mean it looks you guys look identical. It's uh, it's really our mannerisms and the way we talk. And, you know, if you come, if someone comes and watches the game tomorrow, they'll be like, oh, my God, it's mirror images of each other and the way we move and interact with our guys and stuff like that. So even our parents right now, if I called my dad, my, you know, my brother's name came up, probably wouldn't be able to tell our voice either. So that's where that's where uh, people get missed. Miss that's fascinating. Adam, how, how, going all the way back, at what point did you guys start playing the sports together, especially hoops? And at what point did you start playing off one another? Oh, man. I mean, I think we started playing basketball together in second, third grade. And, you know, we both just fell in love with it. And, you know, if you ask anybody that's played with us, I, it's just people always like, what's it like being a twin? What's it like playing with a twin? Just, you know, imagine having a best friend around all the time, someone with the exact same hobbies, same friend group, all that type of stuff. So, you know, when we played basketball together growing up, you just always know where that person may be, you know, where they're going to score, yada, yada, yada. Um, it's just more of a connection thing more than actually being a twin. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I always say we've been lucky. We've been blessed to do something that we love to do and we can relate and talk to somebody candidly always um in our field which I, I think is hard to do to find true friends you know in this business right oh that's that's very true especially with the grind that it is that you've gotten to in coaching but uh adam keeping it back in the playing days 
I've seen twins go to different schools and I've seen twins go to the same school. They're, they're, I don't see any pattern as it were. What was the decision from your guys' perspective? And Ryan, we'll get yours in a minute as well mm-hmm. on just what you chose you to stay together as, as, as brothers playing at a school and then choosing Albright as a, as a result of that. Yeah. So, you know, our recruitment was pretty interesting. We both had multiple division three schools, but different schools. Um, Albright was, was the only D three that actually recruited both of us. You know, and we both went on our, our separate visits individually, and I, I think we liked schools. But then once we went to Albright together, I think we laughed, and, and we both felt very comfortable. And, and candidly, that's probably because we were together, um, you know, and they painted a pretty good picture of what it would be like. Now, looking back, two, five, ten point guards going to the same school is probably the dumbest decision we ever made, basketball-wise. You know, I don't know how many coaches were like, hey, we're going to start a backcourt of, of five ten and five ten. Um, but I think the comfortability piece and, and us having each other there as, as a support system was probably the deciding factor, along with you know the, the success that Albright had at the time and, and Coach Ferry building that relationship with him and recruiting us throughout the season. But uh, definitely not playing-wise was the, the perfect decision. I'll, I'll say that. You know? <laughs> Ryan, your perspective on that whole process. Yeah, it was, you know, it was interesting, and like Adam said, it really came down to Coach Ferry just, you know, taking the time to recruit both of us. And, I mean, I don't want to age us here on this uh, on this interview, but, you know, I remember when Coach would call our house phone and, you know, Adam get on the phone. They'd be like, all right, Ryan, you pick up. And then we both get on and talk to him. He really took the time to recruit both of us. And like Adam said, yeah, playing-wise, probably not the best decision, you know. And uh, But ultimately it was about comfort and it was about just getting the opportunity to spend more time together. Um, and it, you know, we're probably way closer because of it. And um, I wouldn't change it for the world looking back on it. You know, in the playing time at, when we were playing, yeah, was it frustrating? Absolutely. But end of the day, you know, we have the same friends, great friend group from Albright, and great mentors, coaches in our lives because of that decision. So, um, yeah, was it interesting? Absolutely. But uh, it was the right decision for us ultimately. Yeah, I mean, listen, Rick wasn't a dummy. He's a AD and a coach. He's <laughs> limited time in recruiting. He can get two guys for the for the effort of one. I'm <laughs> gonna do the same. I mean, I'm gonna actually go question these other coaches when I find out who they were and go, "What were you thinking? Why weren't you recruiting both?" I mean, you're filling two spots here, guys. Let's wake up, uh, Ryan. To that extent, you kind of hinted at it. The one way I would maybe be able to differentiate that you're not identical, and it's not a perfect way of saying this, is Adam got especially by the end of his career, a lot of the playing time starting and, and, and being a, a integral part of the main unit, you were coming off the bench in a very different role. If, if I were to say that there's not, they're not identical, it's because that would argue there was a big difference in the talent size. How hard was that for you to be at the same school and see Adam basically getting all the minutes? Yeah. hundred And it's a great question. And honestly, it's interesting because in high school, it flipped. So I started my sophomore year all the way through to senior year. Wow. And then in college, it was it was just opposite. Adam played a lot more than me. And, you know, it's funny how things work out and, you know, hindsight and looking at stuff. And it, it all worked out the right way. And Yeah, it wasn't hard. I mean, I'm a competitor. And, you know, you're not in coaching if you don't have an ego and you're not a competitor. And would I love to play? Absolutely. But you know what? Coach made a decision. You live with it. And um, I was Adam's biggest fan and I'll be honest with you. And even watching his Arcadia teams now, it's harder for me to watch his teams play than even when I'm coaching us because it's so emotional and you care so much. Um, and when I was on the bench watching them, you know, it, it was emotional just like it is now. So, um, 
it was hard as a player, but you know, you, you do what you're told. Coach made a decision. Okay, try to get better and, and keep doing what's asked of you. Interesting, Adam. From your perspective, what was it like? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you want success for your brother, your twin brother, your best friend. It was hard, you know, because obviously I was a captain, uh, leader of the team. So on one end, you know, I have selfish motives that, you know, I want my brother to play. But on the on the flip side, I also need to do what's best for the team and lead the team in the right direction. So it was tough and there was a lot of tough times. You know, it hurt me just as much him not playing than you could say, you know, for his perspective of watching me play. Right. So um the good thing was we had such a good group of guys, you know, I, I touched on this earlier, you know, our best friends to this day are guys that we played college basketball with. So I think they all understood what we were going through and they really eased the burden. We all lived in a house together with six guys. And, you know, I think it was never like, uh, you know, Adam plays, Ryan doesn't. It's like, Hey, we're one big family and we're going to make the best of this situation. And, and we had a lot of success those two years that, you know, I was playing a lot. And, you know, I think, you know, winning solves a lot of problems. So I think that just helped overall the whole situation that dynamics with Ryan and I, um, and, you know, and, and Ryan said it, you know, we wouldn't be where we are today if we didn't make this decision. So yeah, it, it was not fun. Um, it was not fun, but you know, winning helps and, you know, thank goodness we were able to talk through it and we're really close and, you know, it made us better people. I think going through those tough times. You guys then both went into the coaching ranks in different directions, but came back together at Albright for at least a year. Uh, Ryan or Adam, I'll start with you because we'll just go back and forth. Curious what prompted you to decide to go into coaching and you ended up saying a significant amount of time under Rick Ferry as an assistant. What was that old decision process like for you? Yeah, so I uh, I actually had an extra year of school. Um, I was out of eligibility and uh, the assistant coach at the time, who is the head coach at Elizabethtown College, Britt Moore now, you know, that first week of classes, the fall semester, he brought me in. He goes, hey, do you, do you want to help out and you want to coach? And you know, honestly, basketball has always been our lives. And, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. And, you know, that year I fell in love with it. Um, you know, I, I decided this is definitely something I want to do my entire life. And, um, you know, stayed there then for eight years, which felt like, you know, an eternity because I played there, too. I was living in Reading, Pennsylvania for 12 years. Um, so. As anybody who knows Reading, you know, have some ups and downs. <laughs> but, you know, it was fortunate enough time to, to have Rye come help us out for a season. And, you know, we're shared an office. I'll tell you this. There were days that we didn't say a word for six straight hours. And there were days that, you know, we're at each other's throats. So, um, but it was an awesome experience. And if I ever had the opportunity to coach him again, it'd be a dream come true. But, you know, Rick and I, our relationship is interesting. You know, a lot of the coaches who – who work with guys that they played for and then you, you you see them in a different light and you experience their their whole life and you figure out the type of person there is you know you know Rick's been a mentor for me and you know he's one of he's one of my good friends so very fortunate and able to see that other side of him the human side of him I would say yeah fair uh Ryan you went off uh to York for a couple of, of seasons what what drew you back to go at least one more year with your brother at Albright yeah. So, you know, first off, thanks to Matt Hunter. You know, he gave me a shot, took a chance on me and great coach, great person. Uh, has done an unbelievable job with that program and, and where we were. So, yeah, moving out to York. Um, interesting. And, you know, anyone that you meet that lives around the Philadelphia area, Philly's everything. And that's the only place that exists in the world. So took a chance, made me a better person. Um, so went out there with him, spent two years, helped, helped uh, recruit and build that program up. And uh, just learned how to work and uh, learned how to be a coach and an adult. Um, and then after that, it got to the point where, as you know, obviously, you know, when you start in this profession, you're not making any money. So Adam and I talk four or five times a day, which everyone that knows us will tell you. We just we don't want to spend a year together. So put something different on the resume and 
hang out and, you know, get a chance to go back to the alma mater. And um, we had a lot of fun, but like Adam mentioned, we also uh, also had a lot of tough days too. And that was a rebuilding year for Albright. So God bless Rick and putting up with us. And like Adam said, he's done so much for our family and um, just been great to us and, and allowing us to keep Albright as a second home. And um, obviously we're big, big fans of Albright and hope, hope they have continued success and keep doing what they do. And he, and he's just, he's just been great for us, but yeah, it took a chance and, you know, I, I'm forever, forever indebted to him. Ryan, you then decided to, uh, for a guy who's all about Philly, um, go to the antithesis <laughs> of that, uh, went North to a town that has its own ego for different, very different reasons. It's, it's a completely different type of vibe. And you ended up in Scranton where I got to see you a number of times, uh, during your assistant coaching career. What drew you to, to the program under Carl Danzig? Yeah, um, well, to start, I'll get emotional even talking about him. Carl Danzig's like a second father to me. Uh, unbelievable person, unbelievable coach. Um, the opportunity just to be with him every day and learn from him. It's not even about basketball. He's, he's a great man. And what he does day in, day out, treating people the right way, operating a program and creating young men. Um, well, it was an opportunity of a lifetime. And I would never be here today and you know, be in this opportunity and feel comfortable being a head coach if it wasn't for him. And those seven years changed my life. I love Scranton. It's funny, uh, funny you say that. I'm back in Philly. Everyone keeps saying, hey, how's it feel like being home? Scranton feels like home to me. And this has been different coming back to the Philadelphia area because I loved it up there. I loved the people, you know, from Dave Martin to Carl Danzig to the, to the guys I coached and was able to be around. It's a special, special place. So um, it's been an adjustment to come back to home. But uh, those seven years will—they change my life for the better. Uh, I'm just hoping Carl now struggles uh, with with coming down to Goucher and playing when now that you're gone. That's that's all I'm hoping. Because uh, I'm, I'm figuring you're the key, right? Great. You're, you're the key to all this, I, I believe. That's 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 the argument I'm going with at this point. Uh, Adam, you got the job at Arcadia uh, and and jumped kind of both feet in with uh, with the head coaching gig. What was that decision like to to take over a program at that point and know that, and to be honest, not that I'm trying to drive a wedge, but knowing that your brother's not in that situation. Yeah, really tough, right? Like, Ryan's talking about Philly. Number one, he has been complaining about Philly, the traffic, the 20-minute ride to work. If I hear Ryan talk about that one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, tough, tough transition. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, look, honestly, this was a destination job for me. Obviously, very familiar with Arcadia from my time at Albright. You know, Justin Scott did an unbelievable job, got an unbelievable opportunity to go work with St. Joe's. You know, he left me some really good players and, and you know, to really turn this into a strong program. So I got blessed with a great opportunity. Um, so, you know, it, it, you know, can't believe it's been four years. Can't believe time, time flies, but it's hard. You know, I know my brother, you know how it is, Dave, you know, the grind, a D3 assistant trying to get a head coaching job. Good jobs that open up. There's 150, 200 applicants what separates you? How do you, you know, who do you know? You know, how's your resume? You know, I got really lucky. I got really fortunate. You know, we have great, great staff here. You know, Brian Granada does an unbelievable job, the athletic director here. And, you know, he, you know, I'm very fortunate and, and really lucky to be here. And I, I love this place. I love where I am. And, you know, Ryan had went through the inter interview gauntlet with a bunch of other D3 assistants. You know, he, he had a bunch of chances at different jobs and, you know, what's meant to be is be. And, you know, who would have thought we would end up 15 minutes down the road from each other. We live five blocks from each other now. And, you know, I couldn't be happier with it, but you know how it is. It, it's hard, you know, and you got to put your head down. You got to keep working. You can only worry about yourself. You can't look at someone else. Hey, he got this job. Why didn't I, you know, how many assistants out there think about that? And you, you just got to stay course and you just worry, be the best version of yourself every day. It, it's, it can be tough.
we went into the weeds there a bit in the career, but I was fascinated by those, again, kind of this different paths for guys that you would maybe expect to be a little bit more similar. But again, as you point out, there's a grind there. You got to take your opportunities and not necessarily uh, does a coach have two openings available at the same time for guys. And that's what was great about Albright uh, that one year. All right. So listen, I've, I know um, Greg and Kevin Curley real well. Um, I rib them constantly. They're not twins, but I rib them constantly about the fact that they never play each other. And their argument back is, well, we want to at least, you know, still be brothers and love each other. So we'll just have a scrimmage. And again, I've always argued that if either of them get into the tournament or both of them get into the NCAA tournament at the same time, I am absolutely using every bit of my leverage I can with the committee and saying first round, please. You, you have to have them in the first round against each other. I, I will not argue about regional problems. Please have them. You guys are going at each other for, for a game at least. What's it? What's this going to be like? This is pre-Thanksgiving. Are you even going to be talking on Thanksgiving after this game, Adam? Yeah, well, a couple of things. So this is a one-and-done thing. We will not schedule this game. We're already replaced it. So we're Ooh. done after this. All right, and then number two. Two, we have, uh, like we talked about our friend group, we have a thing we call Thanksgiving Eve Eve, where we all go out every Tuesday before Thanksgiving. All right. We got oh, so the, let me guess. It's all coming to the game. It's all coming to the game. Yes, nice. And you got to go. So we have 15 people coming and we all go out. We stay out all night and, you know, tell stories about the past. So it's going to be a little awkward this year. Right. You know, it's our job. One person's got to lose. So, you know, we're going to try and make the most of it. Our friends are going to enjoy it. I'll tell you that. But. You know, we, we got you can't stay home. You know, you got to go out with the guys. So, you know, we got to worry about that before Thanksgiving. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Ryan, any stipulation that if this game is tied after regulation, forget it. It's staying tied. Well, after our double OT game earlier this year, I, I got so tired. I'll just look at them like, we'll take we'll take the tie. We're good. You know, keep everybody <laughs> happy. Keep the families happy. Maybe do a couple pitchers after nobody loses. We're OK. Right. So we'll see. <laughs> okay, listen, I got to give you a little bit of a hard time. One and done? I mean, why not at least see what the – now, I realize my my premise here is going to eliminate the chance for next year anyway. But why not experience that one shot and then see, hey, maybe we could we can keep doing this? Well, you know, it's like you talked about with, with the Curleys and both great coaches. Um, it's just so emotional. It's – you know, I'm watching Adam's film before we got on this, and I'm just like – I've been watching Adam's team for three, four years now, and it's – you know what the guys are. I know his guys personally. I have a relationship with them and you care about them. And like I was saying, I've root for them really hard. And um, it's just awkward. It's emotional. Even if someone wins, the other one's unhappy. And it's 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 not fun. Let's just leave it like that. OK, so I had a husband and wife last year who coached against one another. We had them on the show. By all accounts, they're still together. So I, I, I'm, I'm not buying this. <laughs> I, I think you'd be OK. I think you would survive. But that's just that's just me personally. I'm 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 a glutton to watch the fun stuff. I want to see it. Uh, Ryan, I'm I'm curious. Uh, well, this is kind of my back door into having a little more fun with you. Any thoughts with you and Adam of swapping teams, whether it's at the beginning or at halftime, just to see if your teams realize that's not my coach. Well, I I know for a fact they wouldn't know. There's no way they would know if he came in the locker room dressed in the same way. I, I get I just know for guaranteed. Don't know if they'd appreciate it, though. You know, these are my guys, and they're working hard. And, um, you know, I got their back as much as they got mine. So, But I, I know for a fact they would not be able to tell, I guarantee it. 
Adam, it would be kind of funny, though, if you came in the door and you, you started telling him polar opposite of what everything had been said up to that point. No, 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 man. They never go into zone. That's not at all what they do. We're going to definitely be saying, man, this is how we're going to attack it. I mean, sounds like it'd be a little fun. Well, Dave, the thing I'm worried about, and actually I'm going to tell my team today, is so we both have very similar voices. So, like, when one of us yelled during the game, I feel like all 10 guys on the floor are going to look at that bench. So we're going to have to do some hand signal stuff. It's going to be because, like, we both have booming voices. We're really loud. We're very animated. You know, we're young head coaches. Ry Morris, though, is a maniac on the sidelines. So, like, right now. So our guys are going to be looking over. Everyone's going to be so confused the whole time. Maybe you need to time it early in the game. Both of you say the exact same thing at the exact (laughs) same time and just see if even the officials are like, wait, what? (laughs) I mean, Dave, they're going to be confused. We have their calls. So when Adam calls something and I have court, I'm just going to call something else and see if the guys listen. <laughs> I, I want to see you use the, ex- I, I don't ever encourage this from coaches because it blocks me at, at the table, but I want to see you both use the full extent of the coaches boxes, get as close as possible to each other and start barking out commands and have everybody just absolutely confused. Cause they don't remember which way they're going at any point. And I mean, it would be fun. I'm, I'm looking for the fun here. I don't care about the outcome. I'm looking for the fun. <laughs> Uh, speaking of that, though, did, uh, you guys had to have or have a history of swapping or doing something to, to kind of, you know, you said you lived with a bunch of your teammates. There had to have been moments, Adam, where you guys were 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 flipping roles or doing something to screw with people. All right. I'll, I'll give you one example here. We were in high school. Um, I had a religion. We both had the same religion professor at Conway Catholic. Uh, Miss Cardigan was her name. She would always say, hey, if you guys flop, uh, flip classes, I'll be able to tell. I'll be able to tell. So we waited till like three fourths into the year. We actually did it. And then I sat there for 20 minutes. She had no idea. And then I stood up. I was like, hey, gotcha. The whole class is laughing. And she's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you got us. It was like, that was it. And we were like, all right, cool. And then went back to our class. But that's the worst part about all of it is I had to switch to an algebra class. And that would have been the second time I had to take math that day. I didn't want to sit in that class. So, you know, there really wasn't much prose to it in that sense. But we did, we did get her. Algebra. I mean, you're literally in coaching, which is all about math. I, I <laughs> God, Ryan. Um, that's, that's pretty good. I like that one. Um, I just, I, I'm, I'm just saying maybe halftime even swap (laughs) roles and just really, everybody walks out to warm up. You two just switch benches and see how it goes. Well, Dave, if he wants to drive the van, cause we're, you know, for the the travel and I'll drive separate, I'd be okay with that too. If he wants to travel our team over, that'd be, no, no, we've done enough van traveling so far (laughs) for the year. We're okay. okay. You're not too far away. That that could work. Um, guys, I can only imagine. Well, I mean, for, for your wives and family, it, it's gotta be, and I assumed wives, by the way, I, I don't know, girlfriends or, or some significant other, I'm not going to make any assumptions as to what your social life is, but that's gotta be challenging for them at times. I'm assuming how's this year going. Uh, well, I'll be honest. Uh, so my girlfriend's an assistant at Lehigh. So she's very good with all this. She, you know, she's a coach. She gets it. This is pretty easy to understand. That um that is stressful for me as well. So she's been great. Adam, how's your support system? Yeah, so uh, yeah, my girlfriend has known Ryan now for three years. Um, she understands the coach life. She understands the, I mean, she gets she sees how emotional I'm upset and or how happy I am for Ryan's success or when he's struggling, all that type of stuff. So, I mean, I yeah, she's there. I don't think she, it's hard because I don't think our significant others 
can really, they can relate, but I don't think they can fully grasp the good emotional connection, I guess. I don't know. That's kind of the word I'm looking for because, you know, when you're in it, you know, you want to win, right. You want success, all that type of stuff. So they're there and they do, they do the best they can. Um, They just, I don't think necessarily always understand, you know, the, how serious it is, I guess. Um, another argument for swapping roles, if you're so invested in how your brother and his team is doing, now you have the ability to help your brother's team. You're swapping roles and, and you're, I mean, this is a win-win, right? Come on. I like it. Just a thought. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, when we when we travel to Lycoming, we have a tough road conference game where I can take that one. Like, absolutely. <laughs> like, don't take that one. I would love, I'll take, uh, you know, any of Rise non-conference games. We can swap those. I'm all in for that. Yeah, Adam, if you want to take uh, Morrisville State and Wells this year, you, you can have those trips and uh, we'll be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, Adam, he did pick the long distance ones. You picked a shorter <laughs> one to Lyco. I, I think Ad, Ryan's Ryan's playing hardball there. If anyone's wondering, watching at home, by the way, yes, Ryan's image has changed. He had some internet issues. And thanks to the power of editing, uh, we, we just spliced him in. Um, again. Back to the reference. Just, just edit. You splice. Just switch roles. That's all I'm saying. Um, by the way, Adam, you only have one more trip to to Lyco. Okay, I don't want to hear any more complaints. This is the last one, unless you schedule and you're out of conference. Okay, just correct. This is correct. All right. Listen, don't want to take more of your time. You've taken plenty of ours, and or not plenty of ours. We've taken plenty of yours, and, it, and we really appreciated it. Um, we could dive into your teams. You're both off to decent starts, two and two, and two and one. Uh, unfortunately I realized Tuesday's game will have an impact on that and maybe Thanksgiving niceties, but I, I digress. I, I've had so much fun chatting with you guys and I appreciate it. Um, we'll just basically leave it at that and, and find out from you guys, just your final thoughts on this game playing against one another. We'll get your overall final thoughts later, but, uh, final thoughts on this game, what it means to you guys and, and how, um, this will kind of play out for your lives, Ryan. I'll, we'll start with you on that one. Yeah, you know, it's kind of come full circle, you know, being away, like like we talked about earlier, being, being away from the Philadelphia region, getting back. And, you know, it just kind of comes around. And now I get to see my brother who's right down the road. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's great for our guys. The publicity is great for this program um, and great for the young men in this program because we're trying to build something here. And we have some talented guys and, um, we're trying to take that next step. And yeah, if, if it uses this twin, um, narrative as a platform, that's okay with me because at the end of the day, it's about the young men in our program. And I love where I'm at. I love being here and, um, you know, being a twin, maybe puts us on the map right now and that that's okay. we got to start somewhere. So I'm really excited and yeah, it sucks to be competing against my brother, but you know, I love, I love him and I love their program and I love the guys in their program too. So uh, we'll get through it. We'll enjoy Thanksgiving. And hopefully this time next year, we'll all be laughing about it. So that's kind of where we're at. <laughs> oh, you won't be playing each other, unfortunately. So you better be <laughs> No, we won't. It. No, we won't. <laughs> Adam, your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I just remember when we were, you know, 22, 23, breaking into this business, talking about being head coaches and, and you know, how awesome that would be and, and fulfilling our dreams. And, and here we are, and we're actually competing against each other. So yeah, it's not going to be fun, but um, 
selfishly, I'm happy for him and I can't wait to, to watch his program. And it's been great to watch them succeed and get off to this hot start. And, you know, I know he went, he's not happy with two and two, but you know, they're playing good basketball. They have a really good program over there. And honestly, we just haven't beat Penn State Abington since I've been here. So we really want to beat them on that. That sense too. That's the problem. I got the jinx. So now I have, we have to win. Yeah, there's there's no good way out of this one. It, it's <laughs> it's going to get spun in a weird way. But in quietly in the back of his head, he's thinking, "I do want to win. I want to." Yeah. Beat my brother. <laughs> no, we we do. You know, we we off to, we're off to a good start. You know, I, I love our group. Um, you know, we have a great group of young men. It's about them. And you know, Ryan, I'll tell you, it's never been about us. We're not me guys. You know, that's not who we are at all. It's always about our student athletes, and and they're always at the forefront of everything we do and and every decision we make. So. You know, it's a little weird, you know, have talking about ourselves a little bit, but Ryan said it, you know, if we can get, you know, some publicity and, you know, put our name out there in a positive light, in a positive manner, um, I think it's good for the game of uh, basketball. It's good for D3 Hoops. So um, hopefully it'll be an entertaining game and, you know, hopefully the Knights win. Hey, uh, arguably uh, it was about you guys for the last whatever amount of minutes, and I appreciate that, but I do appreciate that it's about the teams as well. By the way, any friendly wager, and I'm using that term a little bit loosely on this one, maybe something like at Thanksgiving dinner, the winner gets uh, introduced or comes in second in the house and is introduced in a grand way, and the loser's got to open the door and take his jacket or something wonky like that. I mean, come on. There's got to be something on this. I mean, I'm I'm sure something will come up later that night when we're all together together. in a different setting. So uh, we'll see. I'm sure something will be thought of though. There's no doubt. There might be a trophy that'd be made. You there know, we go. One time winner. I, I don't know. I can't speak in the details yet. It's just, you know, we might find out Tuesday night. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I like it. My, my only problem with it is you got to keep playing. So that trophy can go back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Know. So yeah, if we win, then we'll just never schedule. We're going to hold the trophy. In the yeah, I don't forever. like this mentality, <laughs> gentlemen. I do not like this mentality. I, I, you get the wrong message. The point is to keep playing against one another for our, for our fun. Forget you two. <laughs> if you come, Dave, if you come call the game live and be here and be a presence, maybe we can talk about it. Hey, listen, <laughs> I, I can't. I, I got to be somewhere else in Pennsylvania on Tuesday. But I'll make. I'll, I'll. I'll say this. You reschedule that game. Let's talk. Okay. okay. Let's okay. talk. That's fair. All right. All right. If you reschedule the good. game, call me and we'll figure something out. I like that idea. But okay. that somehow looped me into this whole thing, and I don't know how that happened. Well, you know, I got sad. I'm not going to see you down a gaucho this year, so I figured you got to make it work. So okay. Oh, so I've got to go through the hoops because you left the job. <laughs> I don't understand how this helps. Self-serving. There we go. Wow, this escalated quickly. <laughs> uh, guys, thanks so much. It was awesome. We always do give the guests the final word. And uh, Adam, since you got the coaching, the head coaching gigs first, we'll start with you. Uh, any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Yeah, you know, you know, thanks for listening. You know, Dave does a great job uh, for D3 Hoops and D3 basketball in general. So, you know, keep supporting. Um, we have a really quality product. There's, re- It's really hard to play college basketball. And, you know, at this level, you got to be really good. So thank you for everything you do. Um, and, you know, hope everyone stays healthy and has a great season that listens. Thanks, Adam. Very kind of you. Ryan, your final thoughts. Yeah, I just want to back that up. And, you know, D3 Hoops is really good. And the work you guys do. Um, doesn't go unnoticed amongst coaches and, and certainly the student athletes because it gives them a platform and, and a place to be seen and heard. And um, it, it's good. There's really good basketball, really good players in every program across this country. And uh, what you guys do is, is special. And um, I remember looking at the website as a player and, and being tuned in. So being a part of it and being a coach um, and understanding the, the, the platform you guys provide is really special, though, to be on with you and, 
you know, talk about me and my brother in Penn State Abington and, and Arcadia is, is uh, really unique and awesome. So thank you for your work. Well, and thanks to the your PR staffs as well for kind of alerting us to uh, to this and giving us a chance to get you guys on. By the way, you didn't want to date yourselves earlier, but you just dated us. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> Only I'm well fair. aware. Only fair. Only fair. I'm well aware that coaches are not event where players are, are in high school when we, we started this. I may not have even been born. <laughs> That's correct, though. But yeah, that, that stings a little. Anyway, guys, great t- chatting with you. Good luck on Tuesday night. Uh, I'll tune in from where I am for sure uh, and keep seeing and maybe watch it back later. But uh, I look forward to, to seeing it. Have a great Thanksgiving in the meantime. And we'll look forward to talking to you both about a little bit more about your programs at a later date. Thanks. Dave. Thank you, Dave. Thanks again so much to Adam and Ryan for joining us on the program and talking about everything and indulging me to some degree as well. Longer interview than we anticipated, but they were so great in chatting, even getting through some technical glitches there to get on the show. Um, We can go round and round uh, about whether uh, we we should have this game continue. I I actually get both sides. I I totally understand, even from the Curleys, who I, I playfully uh, rib a little bit about playing against one another and coaching against one another. I get the emotions that are involved with that. And I can certainly respect the fact that, that they'd rather not have that opportunity uh, present itself as it were, or at least willingly when you're scheduling games in season, but, but the fan in me and, and the, the one who wants to see something fun and unique wants to see that we, we want to see those uh, funny little stories or those great little matchups or something unique about the game that just makes it a, a lot more exciting than it already is. But it is about the teams, as the coaches pointed out, and we wish both teams well in their game on Tuesday, aside from their coaches, who I don't think are going to switch huddles. I, I, I think that's just a figment of my imagination, and I'll have to enjoy it from my computer. When we come back, we're going to talk Rhodes Scholar. Believe it or not, um, we're going to go deep into the educational side of Division Three, and have a bit of a YD3 moment when we talk to a women's basketball player in Division Three who's been selected to be a Rhodes Scholar next year. It's not something that has never happened before, but it's certainly an interview we've never had on this show. We get to learn all about the Washington and Lee's Rhodes Scholar in women's basketball when we come back on Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Passion's love. Passion is love for what you do. Because I think when you face challenges, it comes down to how much you want it and how much you love it. Passion is what keeps you going forward. Seeing so many people that were like-minded and so hardworking in their sport and academics, being surrounded by like-minded people makes you want to be more passionate. I think it pushes you to a, a different level that maybe you didn't think you had. And you can do the best of both worlds and love all of it.
Welcome back to Hoopsville. Trying something a little bit different today, going with a few less ads since they aren't paid for right now. But if you want to jump on board and support this show and be a sponsor or an advertiser, we will run your ads as often as we agree to. And so we can add some more breaks into the program, at least in these recorded shows. And the live shows will go back to our normal formatting because that's how we use the time to uh, get guests online and such. Uh, now time to switch uh, to women's basketball and talk about a unique uh, woman at, named Terry Phillips at Washington and Lee. Believe it or not, she's not only a, a good enough to play basketball, let's just be honest, uh, in Division Three on a pretty good Washington and Lee team, but she's also pretty darn smart. Yeah, we know that in Division Three, right? We, we've heard that in a number of places. Well, she's a Rhodes Scholar, and that is not something that comes easily. There's only two Rhodes Scholars this year in Division Three altogether, the other being an MIT track and field student athlete. Well, that's not all she does. When I started looking at her bio, I was blown away at how involved she is on campus, what else she's doing, and how highly regarded she is by those who know her best on campus and even maybe those who just know her by acquaintance. I was very impressed, and we'll link to an article from the from WNL about her on the show page. But Terry Phillips blew me away. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it is Terry Phillips, or I should say Terrington Phillips, as as I was given the information earlier. Thanks for taking the time, Terry. Really appreciate it. Uh, welcome in. Um, a little bit of a break for you, so I appreciate you finding some time for us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, listen, I'm not going to be able to do this justice, but we'll get to it eventually. But first and foremost, you got the honor just recently of being named a Rhodes Scholar. I think for a lot of people, that term has been thrown around a lot. You hear it from politicians. You hear it from some others who get it. Can you give us a sense from your perspective what it means to be a Rhodes Scholar? Yeah, it's a pretty prestigious academic award, but I think when you talk to a lot of people that have been Rhodes Scholars in the past, it's a lot more than just an academic award. Um, it also recognizes leadership and, you know, what do you do for your community and um, are you going to be a change maker, essentially? And so um, there are only 32 that are given to students every year, which makes it <laughs> pretty, pretty hard to get. Um, but yeah, I think it just recognizes academic achievement, but also just who are you in your community? Yeah, I was looking through the list of this year's honorees. I saw a lot of Yales. I saw a lot of Harvards. I mean, no surprise, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, saw a handful of MITs, including a track and field student athlete. Uh, I thought I read, um, I mean, WNL's had a few, not a lot. You join a, a small group there. What does that mean then? I mean, we'll get to the whole process in a second, but what does it mean to 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 be to stand out as one of the 32 best, quote unquote, leaders in academia and those in academia? that deserve to go to England to enhance your education and by the way, not, not have to pay for it. Yeah. I think people assume that, you know, when they're thinking about like the, the brightest and best, I guess, across the country, immediately people's brains jump to Ivy league schools and schools like MIT and Stanford. So to me, it's really just symbolizes like you don't need to go to a school like that to be a high achieving student and a high achieving, uh, or a high contributing member of your community, you don't need to have that that big name behind you or anything like that. You can go to a different, smaller school somewhere you feel really comfortable and, and achieve the same levels of success. Was it something that was on your radar? Was it something that you had always strived to do? Or was it something that came along and you went, and, and I don't mean this as a, 
as a, a lesser, but oh, why the hell not? Let's do that. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle, actually. Okay. When I was a sophomore in college, our director of fellowships here um, said, you know, you're going to apply for this one day. <laughs> and I was like, okay, sure. I, I really, you, if you tell me I'll be good for it, I'll smile and nod. And then as the years went on, he just kept saying, you're going to apply for this. You're going to apply for this. Why not apply for this? And I'd already applied for some other things. So it just made sense to do this application too. Uh, copy paste. Sure. Why not? Yeah, I can do that. Fine. Um, it, give us a little bit of a sense. So you're going to be graduating and and taking advantage of the Rhodes Scholar next year, but I know it's not just a one-year thing. Can you give everybody a sense now of what that next step is, having been honored with this, what you will, how you will use it, I guess is the best way to ask that. Yeah. So the Rhodes Scholarship funds between two to four years of study at Oxford um, and the Rhodes Trust doesn't really want anyone to do less than two years. Hmm. So now I'm in the process of actually applying to the graduate program at Oxford that I want to do, which I know seems a little bit counterintuitive to most people. Um, but it's yes. almost like you, it's sort of like you apply for the funding on the front end and then apply to the specific program that you're interested in. So guaranteed to be at Oxford, but not necessarily guaranteed to have the program that I want. Fascinating. Yeah. And so I'm currently working on applying to the MPhil and evidence-based social intervention and policy evaluation, which is a mouthful. Um, but that would be a two-year program at Oxford. Well, yeah. Could you break that down a little bit for us lay folk? I did not follow. <laughs> yeah. So it's basically a program that has two tracks. So one track is like social intervention route. And then the other route is more of the policy evaluation route. And okay. then you ultimately sort of pick which one suits your fancy. Um, and so I'm I'm personally thinking more about the social intervention route than I am about the policy evaluation route. Fascinating. I'm actually almost a little surprised that you get the road scholars. You said you then have to apply to, the, to whatever you're going to concentrate in, that that isn't kind of maybe not one before the other as this is, but they're almost together. You, you apply and at the same time apply to the road scholar, and then you would get them both at the same time. It's interesting. You now have a whole nother step ahead of you. Yeah. It's the nice thing though, is that you get a lot more help now in that wow. step of actually applying than I would have gotten if I was just, you know, any other student applying to Oxford, I actually have connections now who yeah. can help me navigate this application process and figure out, you know, make sure that this is 100% what I want to do. And and then help me craft those applications. Well, and then the road scholars are like, no, we, we we want her at the school, so we need to we need to make sure we figure this out. So I get it. Um, let me circle back to WNL. I wrote down, I started to write down the list of things you're involved in, knowing it would be long, and then realized I may not have gotten everything and and realized the list was getting longer, my handwriting was getting worse. So I want to try <laughs> and go through this. First off, we'll start off. You do have a musical background. We'll come to that later. I ran into that in your in your pre WNL notes. You're involved in residential life. You're an ambassador to the school. You're in a sorority and, and a part of the leadership there. You're in the student or have been some of these you may not still be doing, but things I picked up. Student Association for Black Unity, Queer Liber, uh, Liberation Alliance, uh, Penny Minority Athlete Coalition, Office of Inclusion and Engagement. Uh, here's where the handwriting started going sideways. Uh, <laughs> Student Association for Black Unity, Woods Creek and Theme Houses, Jubilee, which is a female a cappella group. I told you to get back to the music side. Student Affairs uh, Committee. Oh, by the way, you're also a captain of the women's basketball team, which is why you're on the show in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Um, Terry, we're going to start with a couple questions. First, do you sleep? 
Yes, that's actually one of the, I have to say, most common questions I get asked. Yeah. Start asking about the stuff that I do. Um, I I get seven to eight hours of sleep every night. And I, yeah, I know. It seems crazy to people. I really, really value my sleep. I do <laughs> uh, 1% of that. And I get five hours. <laughs> no, I, I build it into my schedule to make sure that I am, I am going to sleep when I want to be. Um, I'm impressed. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I get my sleep, lots of time management. <laughs> is there any time in the dorm room or the or the sorority room, whichever it is, where you're not sleeping? In other words, are you ever in your room when you're not there to sleep? How much am I in my room when I'm not there to sleep? Yeah. Well, mostly when I'm I'm doing work, I would say that's pretty much about the only okay. time. So you do know what the room looks like with the lights on? Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I, I'm just curious. I mean, that is, uh, listen, I love the Gallardi trophy in football because it, it strives to, what do you, what are you like as an athlete? What are you like as a, as a academic, academic person? I keep trying to use words I can't use. I clearly wasn't academic. Uh, and then what, what, what are you doing outside of all that? And there's the version in women's basketball as well in that world um, with, with the Salem, uh, group where you get to honor the Justin's trophy for the same ideas. I've seen a lot of resumes. This resume of yours blows me away because not only are you so smart, obviously to get a Rhodes scholar, you're so involved to be a captain of the basketball team, but Terry, you're so involved in, in what that campus is. How important was that to you? When I came into WNL, I knew that I this was going to be a school I wanted to be involved in. And I knew that I was going to throw myself in to all sorts of opportunities as they presented themselves. And I think one of the cool things, partially credit to the size of the school in general, is that I think it makes it pretty easy to get involved and find, you know, different groups to get to be a part of, to get involved with. Um, but I think it's really important. One thing I value a lot is like leaving a legacy and like leaving a place better than I found it. And for me, I think I've had the chance to leave WNL better than I found it in a lot of ways. And that's come through the variety of different <laughs> groups and teams that I've been a part of. Yeah, because not only are you involved in these groups, you're involved with the leadership of those groups. That seems pretty important to you. Yeah, I, I think I don't think it's enough in a lot of spaces to just, you know, be a member in them. I think like showing up and at, you know, club meetings and stuff like that is great, but I think it it means a lot more when you can actually like have an impact on, you know, what is the culture within the organization? What, you know, steps are we taking? What do we look like to the rest of campus? And I think oftentimes that doesn't always come from being necessarily a leader with a title, but I think um, a lot of times it's one of the easiest ways to sort of do that work. Listen, you can answer this how you want, but WNL obviously has a rich history that has been controversial and one that's been up for debate with a connection to not only George Washington, but to Robert Lee. And it's been a fascinating one from an outsider's perspective, just to, just to follow and read. I, I know it's a complex situation. I could never have an opinion on it. I find it fascinating that you loved W and L and got involved. Did you want to help make change on the campus or did you just want to make the campus better in other ways, if that makes any sense? Both. Okay. <laughs> I, I was a part of a lot of the protest movements throughout my first few years on campus that were all about 
changing the name, but even beyond changing the name, changing the culture of the school mm-hmm. um, and really placing, you know, student diversity and student experience at the forefront of conversations that we are having. And so um, I, I think, yes, it's been about changing school broadly, but but a lot of those things related to, you know, how are we seeing our history and who are we in this new chapter of history? Um, I've really wanted to be a part of. And, and not to dive into that, it, that doesn't need to be the topic of our conversation, but I'm curious, do you feel things have changed? Has that has that movement been effective? I think it has been effective. I would never say that our work is done because sure. I don't think work related to this ever does end. But I, I do think that campus now is a better place than campus was when I walked in. Um, I think it is a far more inclusive space. I think far more steps have been taken you know, from an administrative level to even all the way down to the student level to make sure that this is is a better experience for everyone in our community, not just students. Fascinating. I, I just I, th- I had to ask because it's been such an interesting topic on that campus. And I appreciate your your perspective on that. Hey, let's pivot because, oh, by the way, again, it's a basketball show and you do play basketball for the <laughs> women's team. And 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 you're a captain because, again, back to leadership, um, I think. Maybe we'd describe as a role player, uh, someone who tries to make the team better, back to that overall arcing thought you have of trying to improve things. Give us a little bit of the experience of being on the Generals basketball team, which in the last few years has, has been a, a bit of a uh, a force of late, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, I when I, I'll say that I think the team that I'm on now is is so different than the team that I walked into. And I think one of the biggest changes that I have really felt on our team has been a shift in our team culture and really thinking about our identity beyond just being basketball players. Um, I think I think this is a really hot take, but I think that the summer of 2020 came just at the right time because it really opened up a lot of dialogues within our team about you know how what we're doing and who we are is so much bigger than basketball. Basketball may have been you know the thing that brought us all together, but you know, 20 years from now, it's not going to be basketball that's keeping us together. So I think we've started to have so many conversations about our own individual identities and how they all fit together. And I think all of that work has made us a better, more inclusive team and and improved just the experience for everybody. And I think that's shown and reflected in the way that we've played over the past few years. I think our team performance has gotten better and it's not a coincidence that it's come at the time that all of these team culture conversations have happened. Fascinating. That's that's a great insight. Thank you. How much also does the influence of other teams on the campus success resonate? Men's soccer, obviously, uh, getting to the championship weekend last season and certainly in the mix this year, men's basketball has been improving. Uh, lacrosse has always been a, a team to, to reckon with and keep an eye on. How much is the overall cu- culture also kind of help push yourself as a team? I mean, it's pretty hard to see other teams be successful and not want that for yourself too. And I think we show up too for these other teams. And so in the sense that we show up for them, we also hope that, you know, they show up for us too. And that builds, um, I think just like a great community of student athletes here. And then also, you know, when my whole team watched on TV, watched the men's team at the final four last year, the men's soccer team, that is, at the final four, you know, that was a great bonding moment for our team, but also we got to watch another team be really successful and say, you know, like, don't you know, we can do that. Like we can get to these, these places. And I mean, we didn't make it to the, we didn't quite make it to the final four, but we still did make it to the NCAA tournament for the 
only the second time in, in our program's history. Well, yeah, and that's a great pivot. And by the way, I assume you listened on mute. You didn't need to listen to me call that match. Um, but a curious how much last year is making an input impact on this season. We hear people say it does in the past. You know, we hear people say, of course, we we got a taste of the tournament. Now we want to be in it. We hear that a lot. But honestly, how much is last year making an impact right now? I would say last year is making a sort of marginal impact on our team. I think, you know, the upperclassmen on the team, right? Like we got to experience what it was like to go to New York City and play in the NCAA tournament. So we definitely want that and we know that it's a goal for us. But I think we're also very realistic and and understanding that there's a lot of days that lead up to that. Like (laughs) there's a lot of a lot of games, a lot of practices before you get to a point like that. And we're a pretty young team now. We brought in a class of seven first years. So mm. I think we're really right now trying to focus more on being where our feet are, being very present and, and enjoying the journey to get there rather than focusing so much on, you know, what's going to come at the end of February and March. Sure. That's yeah, very smart. I, not looking too far ahead. The, the old saying one day at a time to some degree. Um Terry, give us a sense of the team. Give us, you know, give us a sense of who's who. You don't have to go through every single player, but give us a sense of what makes this team click and and what makes it succeed in your role in it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think one of the one of the coolest things about our team is that you can put anybody on the floor and trust that they're going to be successful. And I I literally said in one of our games um, this past week, I was sitting on the bench and I just said, I trust this team so much. Mm. <laughs> like. My my coach could honestly sub anyone onto the floor, and I would be like, "We're good. Something good is going to come out of this." Um, and I think that we have a lot of depth in all of our positions. We don't have any one um, position where I'm like, "Ooh, we only got one or two options there." We have a lot of people that can play in a lot of different spots, um, which I think adds to our success and makes us a pretty challenging opponent. How do you see the season working from here? You obviously have a, a tough ODAC schedule ahead of you, which is a little bit bigger that now with Averett in the mix, there's a lot of conference games. How do you see the season progressing and how do you guys keep sane to some degree when you have that much conference to play? Yeah, I think very much just the taking it one day at a time. I think if you think about the full picture all at once, I think <laughs> it's real easy to get lost in it. Um, but I think really just trying to respect every opponent and take every opponent one at a time. So like, you know, up and coming, we are playing Mary Washington. So that right now is our focus. We're not trying to think about, you know, who we're playing a month from now, just taking it very much one game at a time and learning all that we can from each moment we have. By the way, in a quirk, we mentioned this on the last show with WNL. Um, you guys started the season with conference games, three of them, in fact. That's not normal. Normally, everybody starts with their non-conference, kind of gets their rust shaken out, get the little practice for four weeks done and move into the, the non-conference schedule and then use that to, you know, get ready for conference. play. you start with Farum, Eastern Mennonite and Guilford, and now you're starting <laughs> non-conference play. That's gotta be a little bit of a, little bit of a mind kind of screw up in the head that you're you, the important game was first. Yeah. I mean, that's not super unusual for us to start with important things first. And in some ways I kind of like it. Like why wait? Why wait to do what you could do now? And Fair. why push off, you know, that that learning opportunity if it could still be against a conference opponent? And I think it's a way for us to feel, I think, honestly, more confident in ourselves, because I think, you know, starting with conference play and, you know, being able to see where you at 
in relationship to the rest of the conference, I think means more in some ways than starting with teams that you can't really 100% compare to the people that are within your own conference. Really cool. Uh, your playing career, what, what's it been like playing college basketball? My college basketball experience has been crazy. I mean, partially COVID getting thrown in there kind of made it crazy. But my first year um, was very, very truncated because at the very end of my senior season, I had torn my ACL. Mm. And so I essentially missed my whole first season here. Then my sophomore season was our eight game COVID season. Um, (laughs) For the first half of the year, we were playing in latex gloves and masks. Um, from WNL's protocols. <laughs> and then last year was our first quote unquote normal season, but it nothing quite feels normal after two years of anything but normal. Um, and so so now coming into this year, this is like the most real season I've I've felt and gotten to experience. Um, so I I know I'm personally just enjoying every second that I have left and every second that you know this has been building up to. If I've done the math, you could always say to the Rhodes Scholars and everybody else, listen, uh, I've got another year of eligibility still. I would like to use it. If you don't mind, can we pr- can we push this for a year? I'm just saying it's an option, right? I assume you, you could do that. Ugh. Get another year? Mm. Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling. Not quite. I had a, I had a feeling like most good Division three student athletes, they have other bigger goals in mind. And at some point, you got to go to those. Yeah, maybe if I was going to grad school in the U.S., I would consider it. But there you go. Leaving the country feels like a little less of an option. (laughs) Fair. Yeah, it's a little bigger, a little bit of a bigger thing, as it were. Hey, I really appreciate the chat. Fascinating to learn more about you. And to be honest, I feel like we've only hit the tip of the iceberg. Uh, (laughs) I am sure there is so much to talk about. uh, in just the 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 items that you're involved with, obviously, very much involved in in. Um, the minority issues on campus and changing the campus, but also involved in the in the overall life of the campus. That's what I think is the most fascinating part. And oh, by the way, as we mentioned, you're you're a basketball player as well, so you're involved in the athletic side, and you're smart enough to go off and get this road scholarship, which is really darn impressive. And so, congratulations! We really appreciate you finding the time to join us. We have a tradition on our show; we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Um, no, my, I guess my only thought is thank you for having me. I really appreciate this. And I hope everybody realizes that you don't have to go to a a big school or big name brand school to make an impact and and be really successful. Oh, very well said, Terry. Very well said. Thanks for the time. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll look forward to seeing how you and the team do the rest of the season. Thanks so much. She is Terry Phillips joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Incredible conversation with Terry Phillips, and I really want to thank her for coming on the show. Uh, great to chat with her, learn more about her and how she clicks. She still gets seven to eight hours of sleep after being busy all day long, carves it into her schedule. Uh, it's just impressive to say the least. And we mentioned the Jostens Award in that conversation. This is a friendly reminder to everybody out there. There is the Jostens Award. It is given to a male and female student athlete in Division Three basketball who is not only very good at basketball, but all around good in their community and pretty good on the academic side. You would think a Rhodes Scholar might have an edge on that, but to be honest and fair to Terry, there is a basketball side of that. There's a playing side of that. And so sometimes people confuse it as an award saying that this is the the, the best player in Division Three. Yes, it goes to a player who's pretty good in Division Three, but 
is also very good academically and is also very good in their community in whatever way that is. So this is a reminder out there to anybody who's listening. Look at your student athletes. Figure out on the men's and women's side if there's a student athlete who might fit that bill and make sure when it comes time to nominate for the Jostens Award, you do so. I love reading uh, all the bios that we get. I am on the voting panel. We get 10 on either side that are the finalists. And we get, and then we decide from there who we think it is. And and to be honest, when I've had conversations with other voters, and there's, I've only had a few. I, I only know a couple of them. Uh, our decisions are always different because it depends on how we kind of weight things. I very much weight the academic and community involvement side along with basketball. I don't lean hard on the basketball. Uh, unless I need a tiebreaker. If I've got two student athletes who I think are incredible in the classroom and incredible in their communities, um, and that is pretty much even, then I'll lean on the basketball side to make that decision. That's kind of how I use it. Um, but every case is different. Every person is different. And it's not an easy thing to vote on, I'll admit. Every time I think, all right, got a couple hours, I can carve away and do this, it ends up being a much bigger project. But anyway, thank you to Terry Phillips for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And thank you to Sydney, by the way. Uh, at WNL for helping arrange uh, Terry somewhat last minute and get us information on her and book that segment. Really appreciate her time. And by the way, thanks to the sports information directors also at um, at uh, Penn State, uh, Abingdon, and uh, Arcadia, Greg and Adam respectively, for helping um, arrange the twins on our show today and get a chance to chat with them as well. Um, with that note, we're going to, a couple quick notes before we wrap things up here on the show. Uh, we'll go back to the questions that we got from Chip um, on our Twitter account. Uh, one of the questions, I'll, I'm just going to go through the five he has. We're not going to dive into all of them. Uh, the first one was transfers up and down, uh, having early season impacts. We talked a little bit about that, Chip, last week or last show. Uh, it's a it's a constant conversation, but honestly, kind of like the top 25, I want to wait a little bit longer. I want to see how those transfers truly have an impact. I think some are have, are have a perceived impact that doesn't really exist. I think there's a lot who think automatically that a D1 coming down to D3 is going to have a major impact, and there's a lot of times that those transfers disappear. We never end up talking about them ever again. And yes, certainly Division Three. Uh, student-athletes moving up to other divisions. That's a little harder for us to follow because we're so focused on D3 only, but we'll dive into that. But I think that's something to certainly look at maybe in early January and really start to test the waters on those impacts because then there's a number of games under everybody's belt and we start to see conference impacts as well. He also said, uh, schedule for D1, D2, and D3 women's uh, finals in Dallas. Very exciting event. Yep, uh, we talked a little bit about that in previous shows as well. This is the year that Division 3 will go to uh, the Division One Women's Final Four uh, looks like a great event. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make it this year or not. That's for decisions down the road, if there's the ability or not. Uh, the advantage to the women is they all play in one facility. Uh, remember that from Indianapolis, D1, D2, and D3 all in the same arena versus when you go to the men, the men are always at a, a major arena for D1. Then they take the D2 and D3 game to another location. Remember in 2013 in Atlanta and what it was supposed to be again in 2020 was – uh, in 2020, it was a Mercedes um, arena, but in 2013, it was whatever, the, the Georgia Dome uh, right there uh, in downtown Atlanta. That's where the site for the D1 games were, and then D2 and D3 played at the NBA arena. In the women's side, they don't need to do that. Again, it's one site, and I think that makes it better, to be honest. 2013 was a wonderful experience. Unfortunately, we missed out the 2020 experience. Um, I'm a little, uh, you know, who knows when the, when that comes back on the men's side, uh, they have announced the new Final Four sites. 
starting in, um, sorry, brief delay here, uh, starting in 2027, uh, it will be in Detroit. 2028 will be in Vegas. 2029, it will be back in Indianapolis for the 90th celebration and then in North Texas for 2030. I could see us going to Indianapolis with Division Three and Division Two joining Division One for the 90th because remember, this all started with the 75th in 2013. I know it's become part of a ritual, and I'll have to double-check there isn't a date I'm forgetting somewhere um, because I feel like there maybe was another one there. I don't think it goes to Vegas. Uh, I know I was talking to Ryan quickly about that because Vegas being the year before the 90th, I don't think it makes any sense. But Vegas and Indy are about the two most likely because of you want that uh, secondary arena like we had in Atlanta near the D1 arena, uh, the D1 stadium. Again, not a problem you have in women's. But, for example, and women are going to Dallas this year because they're all in one arena. But when the men were in Dallas, that never was going to happen because they're playing out at uh, Cowboy Stadium in Arlington, and then you're going to have the D2 and D3 game in downtown Dallas. They're nowhere near each other. Uh, not convenient for everybody. So that's where it doesn't work out. So you've got to look at that landscape on the men's side, and that's why I think it's going to go to Indy for 90th. But we'll see. Cross that bridge. We get to it, but Dallas should be a good time. Um, we skipped number three, which is about upcoming tournaments. We mentioned that in the first block. Uh, he also asks if this finally Coach Broderick's year to cut down the nets. I don't know. Um, I think it's way too early to determine early in the season with Christopher Newport women. Uh, they're rolling through teams like they did last year. I thought they were very good. They ran into a Trinity, Texas team last season that simply put seemed up to the task of handling the 90 foot insanity defense of the captains. Uh, they broke that defense down better than I've seen anybody do it. And it wasn't a second night game. It was a first night game on the weekend. So Trinity a, had time to get ready for it, but B, there was no fatigue to worry about. Um, I do think if CNU beats Trinity there, they're in the championship weekend and, and a possibility of winning a national title against Hope. But listen, we got to see more pieces and see how CNU plays out. I don't think that's an easy one to determine right now. I, I think any year is a chance for CNU to, to win a national title the way they play, the way they recruit, and the way they're able to get teams in there, or uh, the way they are successful against teams. But again, with a wonky schedule and everything else, I think it's a little too early to say right now if this is the year to cut down the nets. Uh, again, hope's still there too, and, and that's going to be always the shadow that is cast. Uh, you want to know about sponsor updates? Can listeners and fellow followers help? Um, sponsor and advertising has not been going as we had hoped. We've had a few in uh, groups reach out and ask, and we have sent them information. We have not heard back from them. We're trying not to bug them, but we may have to start. But um, usually if they don't get right back to you, that's not the greatest of signs. We've had some conversations with uh, middlemen about investments. Uh, the basic response is we'd love to invest, but not for the whole thing, which makes sense. Can you get other investors? Okay. Well, now we got to go find other investors and see if we can cobble it all together. Um, I'll be honest with you. We've had conversations with others that we know are moving forward. We just don't know what the end result of that is going to be. Yes, listeners and followers can help. First off, we have our t-shirt drive. Um, that is up for another week. It ends on November 30th. Buy a t-shirt or two or 10 or whatever you want to buy. There's plenty of options, including a special 30th or 20th season edition. Geez, jumping way too far in advance there. Um, and so look out for that. Uh, get a get that and I'll be quiet. There may be some sales coming. So I don't want you to wait because I don't want you to forget, but there's been rumblings from the company we use that there could be some, some savings out there, but we'll see. 
Uh, I'll be honest with that. When we polled everybody, we had a decent number say, yeah, you know, make sure you have more T-shirts available. And right now, a quarter of those, or in terms of raw numbers, just a quarter of T-shirts have been bought. So if, if X said, yeah, we'd love to buy a T-shirt, please make them available, and one quarter of, of those shirt numbers have been sold, something's wrong. So the Twitter and Facebook and everywhere has the links to those shirts uh, we'll put them on the show page as well. That's a great way to help us because we get part of the proceeds from that. Um, we do know others who have reached out the, on Twitter, on both the Hoopsville and my personal account. There's a little button at the top about how you can donate money to us. Uh, and there's other ways to do it as well. You're also welcome to just freely reach out to us and ask us what you want to do. And we'll figure it out. Sponsors and advertisers, hint, hint, reach out to us. And we'll send you our packaging as well. And that goes for schools, too. We've had a number of schools who have advertised on this show over the years. Um, please, if you're interested or a conference is interested, let us know and we'll find ways to do it. But I'll be honest, it's not going like I had hoped. Um, I don't know if I'm just completely misunderstanding how this works or if I've missed something in some grander scheme. Um, but to say the least, that's why a lot of times the personal things that I need to take care of take priority. Uh, with that, we're going to wrap things up. I know we've talked a lot about on the show. We have a lot, a big show here to get out the door before Thanksgiving. I want to thank everybody who tuned in and either watched it or listened to it. And of course, I want to thank the Van Zels twins, Adam and Ryan, for coming on the show. And of course, I want to thank Terry Phillips for appearing on the show as well. I hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving. We'll get a show out the door next week after Thanksgiving. Um, it may be have to be an, an audio-only version. We, we're going to have to cobble it together uh, as I get focused on D3 Soccer Championships in Salem, Virginia next week. Uh, but after that, we'll try and get back to the mix and maybe do one more live show before the holidays. I haven't decided yet. Uh, but again, we're doing these recorded shows for the most part until January. And uh, that's just the way we're doing things. Tried a little different format today. See how that all worked out as well. Not sure if I answered all of your questions out there or if we covered all the topics. It's a big division. It's hard to do, but we'll try and do our best to stay on top of everything we can. We'll do a bit of a reset next week, obviously, as we get our first in-season top 25s as well. I want to thank you for tuning in and watching and listening to Hoopsville. You can follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can certainly join us on Instagram as well at D3Hoopsville or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can email us if you ever want to as well, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com or find my personal email address, dave.mcu at D3Sports.com on D3Hoops.com. And I want to thank D3Hoops.com for their support. I want to thank the NABC as well. And future sport supporters, uh, sponsors, advertisers, whomever, I want to thank you in the future because I'm hoping you're coming on board and we're going to be adding to the list of individuals that we are thanking over time. Uh, in that, have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. If you want to wa talk about Division Three basketball, you've got to watch and listen to Hoopsville. And we hope you have a great holiday and look forward to talking to you next week. Copyrighted broadcast of Hoopsville is a property of DMAC Productions and David McHugh and is intended solely for the private, personal use of our audience. 
Any other broadcast, rebroadcast, or other use of the descriptions and accounts of this show without the express written consent of Hoopsville and DMAC Productions is strictly prohibited.